Today on the Ag News Daily Podcast. We've been laying there like a slug for the past several months now. and Happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Ag News Daily Podcast. I am co-host Mike Pearson. I am joined by my co-host Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you? I'm good, Mike. And today is May 1st, which is May Day. So happy May Day to all our listeners out there. Yeah, happy May Day. Happy May Day. Although it's not very good weather. I mean, it sounds like most of the Midwest, at least, is having some pretty terrible weather. Rain, snow. I think I saw on Twitter somebody from Kansas was tweeting a picture of it snowing. So just nothing good. Oh, yeah. I was watching Twitter almost all weekend. And to watch the uh, the blizzard sweep across western mm-hmm. Kansas was... Oh, man. Heart goes out to those folks. It does look like a lot of that weather has cleared up and that snow is starting to melt. But as we will discuss during our conversation today with Angie Setzer, the condition of that wheat crop out there remains to be seen. Boy, how about yeah. you, Delaney? Did you uh, did you get any bad weather? It just rained all weekend. There, it was just gross. You re- it really just, you can't really do anything, I feel like, when the be- weather is terrible like this. No, no. I mean, it's just, it's too depressing. It's too cold. It's gray. It's sloppy. I know. Yeah. yeah. Saw that uh, Sioux City was getting snow this morning and central Mm. Nebraska got some snow last night on uh, May 1st. Man, that is just, ugh. Yeah. That all sounds awful. Awful, awful, awful. And it's affecting the markets and it affects your attitude and it's just time for it to go away. Well, and the effect on the markets was probably the only bright spot to come out of this for a lot of uh, corn and soybean and wheat producers. Although, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not, uh, well, of course, crops will get in the field. It remains to be seen how much crops are going to get in the field here as May progresses. But uh, let's see, you got any uh, news for us today, Delaney? I do. So today is the May 1st deadline for those people in Wisconsin and New York that were involved in the dairy industry issue with Canada and uh, the Dairy Business Milk Marketing Cooperative released a statement on Thursday that they said they believe almost all the farmers that have been dropped by grasslands have found new buyers. Jennifer Sauer, who we talked to on a previous episode, announced, I think maybe Thursday or Friday of last week, she posted on Facebook that she had also gotten a buyer. So it sounds like most of the people that were worried they were going to have to shut down their farms have found alternative means. Well, that is good news. And I'm really glad to hear that about Jennifer and her family. That was a three-generation operation. And... Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're making some progress there. Didn't we change are. anything with Canada yet. Right. But at least, at least those folks have a place to ship their milk. That's right. Okie doke. Let's see. As long as we're talking about shipping stuff, let's talk about shipping ethanol. That was some other good news. We had U.S. fuel ethanol. U.S. fuel ethanol exports are up significantly 2016-2017 marketing year, and that's being driven primarily by increased exports to Brazil. This is from the USDA today. Basically, there's two factors that that came together, but the real one is the change in uh, actually the increase in Brazil's sugar prices. Thanks to strong international demand for sugar, internal price of sugar has shot up in Brazil, and it just doesn't make sense for them to blend it into ethanol. So instead, 
to meet their 27% ethanol mandate, they are buying a lot of U.S. ethanol. So that has been helping us. Um, and I'm going to, we've got a chart here that the USDA put out. I will tweet it so you can check it out on the Ag News Daily Twitter page. Um, it is and quite Facebook. an increase. And Facebook, yes, yes. I will, yeah, I suppose it's probably about time I learned how to post this kind of stuff to Facebook, huh? <laughs> I'll teach you, Mike. Okie doke. And Delaney, while we're here in the intro, I just want to give a give a big shout out or a note to folks. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play and any other place you get podcasts. That way, boom, all of our content just drops directly every single day right into your hands and uh, you have access to it. That's right. That's a great point to make, Mike. All right, so that's the news there, tight ethanol or good ethanol exports into Brazil. What else do you have, Delaney? Well, my dad, as I've mentioned before, is an avid podcast listener to ours specifically, and he said eventually he's just going to have to be on the payroll when we start making money, whenever that may be. But he sent me a, a picture this morning. I don't know what article or what journal it was from. He cut out all the information except for the good pieces and it is a stat rack on the Kansas, well, the I guess I should say the uh, southern U.S. wildfires. And so it's just an updated stats. It says seven people died from the fires. 1.6 million acres were burned, 45% in Kansas, 32 in Texas, 21 in Oklahoma, and two in Colorado. 48 counties declared disasters. 9 to 12,000 head of cattle died, 8,000 plus head of hogs, 18,000 miles of fencing was destroyed, and 125 structures were destroyed. I've been reporting on this a lot, but there are not a lot of other people covering this news, so we want to continue to file to excuse me, to follow that wildfire path and um whatever day the 6th is, is that Friday? No, Saturday. So Saturday will mark the two-month anniversary of this event. Wow. And, you know, so many of those affected counties were the same ones who were just hit this past weekend with either blizzards or intense rainfall. So, That's I mean, just, right. Just can't catch a break there in Kansas and no. the Oklahoma panhandle. No. That's Ugh, right. Man. Well, as far as catching a break goes, we do have a new budget we do have some, uh, actually, an increase in spending for agriculture over last year's level. This was released. Delaney, was it last night this was voted on, Sunday night? Yes. Okay. And so now this is in place. The government is not going to shut down, at least before the end of fiscal year 2017, correct? That's right. Yep. Perfect. I'm glad Delaney pays attention to the politics <laughs> stuff, because this just bores me. But here's what we got. The bill that was passed allows for $153.4 billion in both discretionary and mandatory funding for the USDA and uh, and FDA. No, that's just USDA. It's. I think it's both. Okay. Yes, we think it is both. You're right. It Food is, and drug yes, safety. It's yes. both. <laughs> you are correct. It is both. The uh, so basically, it's 12.8 billion more than last year's level. And uh, discretionary funding is a little bit below 2016 levels. It's the mandatory spending that's a lot more. Some of it was going to conservation programs, animal and plant health, uh, ag research, of course, and then rural development. So here's where we've got uh, 
some increases to uh, rural infrastructure increases and in, you know encouraging uh, basic uh, you know infrastructure that sort of stuff and uh, let's see the CFTC got a little bit of a cut international programs uh, roughly the same as 2016 food nutrition programs here's some of that mandatory spending is uh, a little bit of an increase in the child nutrition programs so basically it's a mixed bag uh, at the end of the day, what really matters is that the bill is signed and we won't have to fret over a government shutdown because that is a big pain for those of us that have to work with the FSA to uh, or mm -hmm. the NRCS or anything, especially during planting season. So That's right. Oh, the and big speaking... news here, Delaney, I guess you pointed this out to me and I forgot about it. The bill stops the Obama-era school meal regulation I was from just being regulated. That. Okay, yes. well, we'll let you expand on it. Okay. Yes, so it has stopped the Healthy Eating Initiative, and today Sonny Purdue was visiting a school in Virginia. I don't remember where he was at in Virginia, but he was announcing that the Trump administration is rolling back that initiative. So prior to this, in 2012, when the initiative was started, Michelle Obama pushed for this Healthy and Eating Initiative to be laid out in elementary schools due to childhood obesity or to curb some of that obesity. And so with that, whole grains were supposed to be implemented. Salt was needed to be cut down and nonfat milk had to be in all schools as opposed to 1%. So now those are going to be rolled back. You can have salt in children's meals. They do not have to have whole grains and they can have 1% milk again. And so I thought an interesting quote was that Agriculture Secretary Purdue mentioned in his speech, he said, if kids aren't eating the food and it's ending up in the trash, they aren't getting any nutrition anyways. So that undermines the intent of the program, which I thought that was a great point. You know, I this is going to make you feel old, Mike, but in 2012, <laughs> I was a senior in high school and I remember when they switched to this food and it was disgusting and I remember throwing it away a lot or not eating at school, leaving campus or whatever. I mean, he makes a good point. If kids, if the food's gross, kids aren't going to eat it. They're just going to throw it away. Yeah, I was talking to, uh, we've got a family member who is a lunch cook. And she's in charge of the meals for a school district up in northeast Iowa. And she's done it for, I don't even want to guess how long, uh, a little while now. And she said it was just so hard on the cooks because they take a lot of joy in preparing food that's healthy mm -hmm. that also kids want to eat. And then under right. these new meal plan proposals, they're like, gosh, we can put all kinds of healthy crap on a plate and it just goes straight in the trash. <laughs> that's right. And, and it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's wasting food at the same time. Like, I mean, my high school was largely free and reduced lunches. So a lot of the kids would only get you know, a meal at school and sometimes they would eat breakfast, but those were really the only meals they ate. And if it was disgusting, they probably didn't want to eat them regardless of whether they knew they were going to eat at home or not. Like you can only, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it drink it. That's right. And, you know, you look at uh, so many of your other options as soon as once you get out of school, once your day mm -hmm. is done, shoot, you go down to the local convenience store, you buy up you know, three Butterfinger bars and heck, you're just yeah. as full. And that is... According to my wife, not very healthy. <laughs> I would have to agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we do have some progress there. School lunches. I guess that's one thing. Trump, if he decides to run again in 2018, he's making school lunches great again. 
hey, that's a new slogan for him. I like it. Yeah, new campaign, Trump campaign slogan. You can just write yeah. me a check. That's right. <laughs> you what heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was really all I had for news today. I did want to throw in a quick mention here we've you and i have kind of been playing around with ideas of what we want to do with the podcast moving forward and so there is a twitter poll on our twitter which is ag nudes daily and uh, just take a quick it'll take you one minute or less it's just if if anybody is interested in hearing bloopers or extras on the weekends that we might be able to push out just take that poll quick yes or no just we want to see what the people want that's right. That's right. We're we're here to serve you. So log in there. And I would tell you, Delaney, if it takes you a minute to complete this poll, you, you've got something wrong. It's <laughs> it's literally it's one click, folks. It is. Please I check know. us out on Twitter at Ag News Daily. Well, let's see. Now, we did talk about the weather a little bit and the effect that had on the markets. It was a crazy day, Delaney. Should mm-hmm. I go ahead and read the markets, do you think? I think you should. Well, let's do that. A lot of green on the screen today in the grains. The May corn contract up 11 and a quarter cents. Finished the day at 369 and a quarter. The December contract up nine and a half cents. Finished at 394 and a half. Over in soybeans, also in positive territory, the May contract up 13 and three quarter cents. Finished at 959 even. The November contract up 11 and a quarter. Closed the day at 964 and a half. Over on the wheat side, Chicago wheat. May contract up 24 and a quarter cents, finished at 442 and three quarters. December wheat up 21 and three quarters, finished the day at 490 even. And then the real excitement happened. I'm going to make a little change here. The big excitement was, of course, in the Kansas City wheat, where so much of that Kansas wheat crop was crushed. The May contract closed up 28 cents on the day, and we will get into details with this with Angie Setzer, but it closed at 4.52 and three quarters. Looking over at the livestock market, as you would expect, with that much strength in the grain market, we did see some weakness in the feeder cattle complex. Live cattle found a little bit of strength. The June contract up 10 cents, closed the day at 124.12.5. The August live cattle contract up 12.5 cents, finished at 120.17.5. In feeder cattle here, we've got that weakness. The May contract closed down 95 cents, finished at 148.60. The August feeder cattle contract also down 95 cents, finished at 153.75. Lean hogs may down 85 cents, closed at 66.12 and a half. The June lean hog contract down 72 and a half cents, finished at 73.27 and a half. Over in milk, the May contract dropped four cents, finished at 15.31. All right, Delaney, should we hand it over to our resident market expert, Angie Setzer? I think we should. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Monday edition. We are here with Angie Setzer. Angie, the markets have closed for the day. You're on the road. How eventful was your day today? Oh, it was super busy today. Um, You know, most of my time is spent waiting for times like this in the market, getting orders in place and things like that. And and, uh, uh, especially for wheat, you know, we haven't really seen anything. Wheat's been laying there like a slug for the past several months now. And I've got a lot of guys that, that some have old crop wheat still that's waiting to be priced and a lot have all of their new crop wheat. So today was a big wheat conversation day and, and, uh, we actually had something decent to talk about price wise, not so much production wise, but, uh, it was a busy day for sure. Now, most of your laying there are- like a slug. 
laying there like a slug. Yes, I like that analogy. Tell us what what's been doing. What's been going on? What got this slug awakening? Awoken? Oh, well, the big thing that we have is uh, there's some pretty serious issues that you could say um, in the southern plains with the hard red wheat crop um, right now. We 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 saw came in Friday morning to reports of a freeze. Uh, temperatures got a little bit cooler than anticipated and with the wheat heading out anytime you get below freezing you know even in that 30 degree range and spend an hour or two or or more like we did in, in, on uh, Thursday night into Friday you do tend to, to start to see some concerns develop over production loss um, but then over the weekend we saw some areas receive you know well over a foot of snow um, and it was the really heavy wet stuff and so there's some concern now um, there's talk that you know upwards of, of half of the Kansas crop um, potentially could have been lost due to the snowstorm and cold on, on headed wheat. Um, and you know it, it, timing is perfect. I guess we've got a crop tour going out um, midweek, and I guess we'll get a feel for what we're looking at. But as a result of this concern over potential production loss, we saw a pretty significant rally in wheat. One that we haven't seen, you know, a one-day move like that probably. Gosh, at least a year, if not longer than that. Because KC wheat Is was there... up 28 cents on the day, 25 cents on the day? Yes, yep, up 28, I think, when everything was said and done. And, and uh, Chicago wheat was up 21, because there is a concern there, too. Um, you know, a portion of the, the Chicago, the soft red wheat crop, was starting to head out um, in Arkansas, Missouri, you know, southern Illinois, places like that. And, and those areas have seen upwards of eight inches plus and there's a lot of fields flooded and things like that so when you have the lowest acreage in over a hundred years and you start to talk about losing the production potential on those acres you know yeah we've got a lot of wheat sitting around but it it wouldn't take long to to correct the overabundance of supplies if we truly lose what some people are saying we may have and you just answered my question about over or if there was a loss of production. So you are concerned that this abundance of wheat would be moved through quickly? We could tap into it. I mean, that's, we've got a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. We've got a billion bushel of wheat left over domestically and, and a good amount of wheat um, sitting on, in the global pipeline. But there's still uncertainty over what we're seeing develop in the, the European crop. There's been some production issues or weather issues, less than ideal weather there and and some concern over what we're seeing happen in in uh russia and in the ukraine and areas like that where production hasn't been all that rosy so you know you can go really easily from you know we have way too much and and production's great and guys are counting the the billions of bushels they're going to put in the bin to suddenly wondering you know where it's all gone and and what you're going to do with it and so here's the question, Angie. This one-day move, this 28 cents in uh, KC, at what were we, 15, 18 cents in Chicago the, today on the wheat market? Mm-hmm. Is this mm-hmm. the end, or is this just the start of a of a bigger short-covering rally, do you think, as those large specs move to, to get out of the way of this thing? Gone to my head, I think it's the start. Um, you know, I, I, it all will depend on, on what we have happen or what we see as we get out and start touring the crop. Um, you know, it, it has happened before where I've seen wheat laid down um, and it comes back up. You know, the, the big question is, did we did we freeze the head or has it pollinated, has it not? I mean, there's so many intricacies um, in that side of things when it comes to the cold temperatures. And then, of course, like I said, you know, if it's, if it's just laying down, 
if it hasn't been snapped off, well, there's a good chance that it can come back up and we can get it harvested. But um, I've been hearing reports that it's been snapped, you know, as it laid down, it's, it's been snapped off. So that's the, the million dollar question right now is, is really what we're going to see there. And, and we've got to wait for this tour to come through. So I think there's some folks that are, are bearish still and will remain bearish for quite some time until they're proven, um, you know, otherwise, until they see why they have to change their minds. So to me, I think it's the start of, you know, some, some pretty reasonable upside, at least in, in the short term, and, and hopefully maybe um, some firming of basis for the guys in the southern plains here as we move into harvest and, and don't have this overabundance of supplies we thought we would have. Um, but we've got to really get a feel for what we're looking at once we get boots on the ground out there. All right. And the KC now, Wheat Tour starts Wednesday, right? Wednesday, yep. As far as I know, Wednesday, yep. So, and I'm waiting to see. Usually Kansas State puts out uh, late in the day on Mondays. They'll put out a, an agronomy update. Um, so I'm waiting to see that because that will be much more um, timely information than even what the USDA or anything else that you're seeing out there is, is put out. Looking at the corn and soybean markets, they are, wheat is not the only market that saw some jump today. Corn and soybeans are both closed the day relatively high highly up i mean do you expect to see those trends continue to move upwards or do you think that this was just kind of a may 1st excitement what do you see in those markets no i think you know i think the one thing that we've seen with corn that's been so troublesome has been the exceptionally bullet uh bearish nature of wheat you know i mean everyone's been so darn negative for wheat it's it's hard to see why corn would have to rally especially because Mm -hmm. You know, if corn were to independently rally, then all of a sudden we'd be talking about tapping into that billion bushel leftover stocks and, and using it for feed, especially in the South. So uh, wheat and corn tend to, to move hand in hand and, and have a ratio in which they trade. And, and so if we are to start seeing wheat to move higher here, if we, we start to see what I think we see, which is some short covering and um, some potential upside in price, then corn should stay supported. You know, not to mention the fact that we are dealing with some weather issues. Um, you know, when I was on mar- market to market at the start of April, I said, if we're still wet and cold around Mother's Day, then I'll get concerned. Well, here we are. We're, we're a week away from Mother's Day. Um, and we're still looking at staying cold. You know, it is looking like it'll dry out as we work to the end of the week and the next week. And there's some talk of warmer temperatures. But if we see that change or we see a continuation of the stuff that we're dealing with now, um, you know, all bets are off as to what we'll see for Planet Acres. Now, Angie, here's my question for you. Looking at the structure of this market, we had corn and soybeans both rally today just like the wheat market, but the biggest gains took place on the old crop contracts. Why? Yeah. Why isn't new crop <laughs> rallying given this? It's the planting that's being disrupted. Yeah, it really should be. Um, I think that's more of an open interest um, okay. deal where – um, you have, and I'd like to see what open interest looks like. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you have folks coming in um, that may not be accustomed to trading this market. So that's their first step is, okay, where's the most active market, most active contract month? I'm going to get into that one. Um, I think there's some of that. Uh, you know, because in any time you have any sort of bullish shift in, in market sentiment, you tend to see spreads come in. Um, so that could have been part of it, too, is you had some spread trading, People locking in carry and stuff like that just in case this market does continue higher or does take a, a turn in the bullish direction and you see that carry that's there now, you know, that, that elevators are anticipating to grab a hold of. 
um, you start to see that disappear a little bit. Gotcha. Now, Angie, we did see you mentioned you were getting some wheat sales on the books. I want to talk about soybeans. If we're wet and yeah. cold here at the start of May, in theory, that could push more ground over to beans. Are you seeing a lot of guys locking in uh, those November beans quite yet? They've, they've been really aggressive in locking them in early on. So we, you know, for me, I have more beans for the elevator bought for new crop than I've ever had on the books this early. Um, you know, a, a good portion of my guys are already 40 40, 50% sold. So they're already sitting extraordinarily comfortable for this early, especially because the last thing you want is to see 40% turn into 75, you know, once you get to harvest and realize the yield's not there or something like that. But um, anyone that is anticipating switching acres is doing so with the mindset of, of grabbing some extra hedges in, in case. But so far it's early yet. Um, there hasn't been much talk on that. And then there's other guys that, you know, to the north, what they're telling me, you know, what I've talked to a couple different farmers in like North Dakota or something like that, they're saying they'll probably pull prevent plant versus put in, try to put in beans if things stay cold like they are and, and uh, they're getting into the tail end of May, early part of June before they're able to get planted. Okay. Angie, so, just, uh, before, we, before we let you go, why don't you tell us about your exciting news with the Girls Talk Ag podcast? Oh, yeah, we uh, we have our Girls Talk Ag podcast. We love it. Uh, it's one of those things we do every week. Um, Jen Campbell, Karen Corrigan, um, and I. So Jen is a, a farmer, and uh, she's a passionate advocate for ag, otherwise known as an advocate. We joke about that. And, and uh, Karen is an independent agronomist and business owner. Um, so it's fun because the three of us can get together. I'm a, a market analyst and cash trader, and we get together and chat about current events um, in agriculture each week. So, like, this week we, we actually wasn't necessarily a current event, but we discussed uh, cash prices, how you determine cash prices and all commodities, you know, grain to, to fertilizer. Last week we talked about the U.S. dairy, uh, U.S. Canada dairy issue. So it's, it's a lot of fun. We have a, a great time doing it and, and definitely um, – like to, to give some information to our listeners and keep them entertained as well. Now, but, is, is I mean, this week's podcast out already, Angie? Yes. Yep, we release every Monday morning. So it went out. Uh, you can check it out on Twitter at the Girls Talk Ag um, uh, Twitter handle or on my my Twitter handle, Goddess of Greens, there. Or you can find it. We are on uh, iTunes as well. And Google, I think, but that's beyond my... Technology is kind of, this is really stretching my <laughs> capacity of doing things because I edit and, and uh, release it and things like that. And you can definitely tell that it is not my first um, career choice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. We have a we have a great time doing it and, and uh, definitely get a lot of really good feedback and, and uh, enjoy it. Outstanding. Well, we will let you get on the road, Angie, and continue to, to drive safe. Hopefully, you'll dodge snow for the rest of the day. And uh, we'll talk That's to you here goal. going forward. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Again, a big thank you to Angie. She was on the road today, but did take the time to talk to us. And you know what is weird, Mike? What's that? We have been consistently talking to a market analyst on Monday. So I think we should have some sort of catchy slogan and just make Monday's market days. 
You know, I think that's a great idea. It seems like, especially as we get into the growing season, the weekends are always when things kind of catch us off guard. Usually uh, it's that rainfall that then causes mm -hmm. us to open quite a bit lower. But yeah, I don't know, market, market Mondays, limit up Monday, but that doesn't really work. <laughs> you just know. like to say limit up. I love well, to say limit up. Well, maybe our listeners have some good ideas for uh, a catchy name we could call Markets on Mondays. So, folks, if you have any ideas, feel free to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Our handle is Ag News Daily for both. And give us your ideas for what we should call it. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Because marketing, is it's not my forte. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I, I always need help coming up with, with clever titles. <laughs> So, folks, this is your chance. Lend a hand. Uh, let's let's. You'll get full out. credit. You bet. We will. We'll give you a big old shout out. That's that's how we pay people. That's right. <laughs> now, with all that being said, Delaney, is there anything else we uh, we should talk about here before we let them go? I think that uh, I just want to mention that we're going to have a lot of great things coming up for the listeners this week. That's right. We are going to be talking farmland values on Wednesday, so be sure to tune in then. Tomorrow is going to be kind of a grab bag. Uh, we're still planning tomorrow out, Thursday and Friday. Folks, it is catch as catch can, but you will want to tune in because whoever we get, they will be fantastic interviews with a lot of insight on the markets. That's right. Well, Mike, uh, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.